I am so happy that you're able to join us for this extended interview. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get more killer resources. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for this extended interview with Sarah, where she's going to share how to start a successful YouTube channel that you can monetize. Hey, Sarah, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Thank you so much for being here today. So before we get to all of your awesome tips and tricks, can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life? Sure. So um, my name is Sarah. I run a travel and NYC YouTube channel called Sarah Funk, where I share valuable tips, tricks, guides, all the things that you need to, um, you know, experience more in life and uh, really get out there and explore. And I used to work in corporate, but I hated it. So I started this. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome what our, you know, dreams are made of, you know, you left something that you absolutely hated and you made it work. And now you run this extremely successful YouTube channel. Now I've spoken to a lot of different people who are also trying to make it work on YouTube. And it takes such a long time for them to even make a little bit of money. How are you able to do this in such a short amount of time? Because it's only been a little over a year for you, right? And now this is pretty much your main thing. Yes. So I think most people don't have a plan. You need to have a plan. If you're starting anything, YouTube, think of it not as just a way to watch videos, it is a business model. And so when I started my YouTube channel, I started it thinking it was a business model. So I found a need in the market, which was that there was a lack of education on New York City guides in general. And so I decided to start creating videos about New York. Consistency is so important. You can't just put out a video once every three months or, you know, three this week, zero for the next six months. Now there's another one. Your viewers need to understand when they should expect your videos. So from the get-go, I always did new videos every single Thursday, which I did from the start. And I only messed it up recently because of my tours, which we talk about in the other interview, if you guys want to learn more about that. But that was only last month. Now I'm back on track. The importance is consistency and creating binge-worthy content. So I started my YouTube channel last year. Now I have 63,000 subscribers and get um, about, I think it's half a million to a million views monthly and 2.5 million minutes watched monthly last time I checked. And that was all through a very, very simple model that anyone can do. It's just about finding that need. So the need, like I said, is New York City just guides in general. And what just means like things to do in New York, best restaurants, best bars, best rooftop bars, secrets of New York, things like that. And then providing value every step of the way. Uh, so my videos aren't the typical vlog style. I've found that I personally don't enjoy vlog style unless it's a very specific host that's doing it um, because it takes a lot of skill to really succeed in vlogging nowadays. Most 
successful vloggers. And when I say vloggers, I mean people that carry a camera around and just kind of casually talk about things that are happening in their day. I think a lot of newcomers try to do that model, but it's really difficult to break in. Focus instead on SEO keyword research. So there's something called TubeBuddy, and it's an extension you can download for YouTube. And what I do before I make any video is, at this point, I already know what my audience likes, so I already have that idea. But before I knew that last year, I would just type in different sayings like, best restaurants in NYC, uh, top things to do in Munich, Germany. And I would just see how TubeBuddy would rate it. TubeBuddy rates your keywords. So if I type in best restaurants Ireland, they'll show you how often that is searched, that term is searched, and it will score it based off of that. And then it will also tell you the competition you have, and it will score it based off of that. And so they take an They take those two scores and they give you an overall score that will tell you if that video will be successful based off of keywords. So for example, if like best restaurants in Ireland, I'm looking at this right now, so I'll just tell you, (laughs) uh, the search volume is, is relatively low and the competition is very high. So overall, they give that a 16 out of 100, which means... Most likely, if you did a video on that topic, it probably wouldn't do well if you have a small channel because people aren't searching it. Now, if you're like Casey Neistat and you do that, he has a massive audience. So he already has that subscriber base. And so it will most likely do well because people will watch whatever video he he makes. But when I started my channel, I had, I had no subscribers last year, zero. So I fully relied on keywords. And so for me, I typed in, um, I noticed that best restaurants NYC, you would think there's tons of videos on that. There were no videos with those keywords. And so I created a video on best restaurants NYC. And now when you type that in, it's the first video that appears. And so it had a high, high search volume and low competition, which means that that video is going to get out there. And people are going to watch it. And so I just repeated that model over and over and over again. Every single Thursday, I would put out a new video um, using that strategy. And that's what caused me uh, that. And then also having, you know, I I definitely think that quality and production helps. Mm. Uh, The most important part is audio that you can clearly hear and storytelling ability because if you can't hear what you're saying, people aren't going to watch it Yeah, and you have to keep it engaging. So I focused a lot on value and like as much tips and value as possible in a short amount of time so that every single moment you're getting like tip, 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 like a lot of information that is really, really helpful and makes it easier for you to plan. And so that's how I was able to grow a YouTube channel from zero to 63,000 in a year. That's crazy. Now, Sarah, you mentioned binge worthy content. What does that exactly mean? Right. Thank you for pointing that out. (laughs) I forgot to explain that one. It's so important. (laughs) So binge worthy content means that 
you don't just watch one of my videos, you watch 10, you watch 20, you watch 30 of my videos. That's what binge-worthy content is. And it is so important because if someone watches one video, they're very unlikely to hit that subscribe button. But if they've now watched three or four of your videos and they've enjoyed all of them, they're going to say, you know, let me just subscribe so that way I'll get her next video or I'll, I'll, I can go back to this easily because I subscribe. The, the reason uh, content is binge-worthy is that it all relates to each other. Mm. So you, you have to focus on a common theme, especially when you're just starting. If it's not, if it's not relating to each other, then, then you're going to get all different types of viewers and they're only going to watch one of your videos and then disappear and, and never come back. And so binge-worthy is, is key. And every, and so I, like I mentioned, I do tours of New York now, which is something that happened because of my YouTube channel. And every single person that books my tours of New York, they say they've watched every single video of mine. Wow. <laughs> and so, yeah. Which I'm like, that's terrifying. I'm sorry. <laughs> you saw my face that much. <laughs> you know, and so uh, creating playlists that they can just hit play and then it just continues for hours. Uh, I think the value of uh, YouTube and also podcasts, which is, you know, why I love like that you're doing a podcast, by the way, is that you can do other things while you're listening to it or watching yeah. it. Whereas blog posts, you have to have your full attention. And that's why video is is booming right now so much because honestly people are lazy <laughs> you know that's fine they're lazy and they just they want to just hear it or listen or, or see it yeah. you know and i'm in i'm in that group so it's cool <laughs> <laughs> it's fine i'm um, definitely also in that group sarah <laughs> yeah yes right it's just so much easier because i can like listen to this and also fold my laundry yeah, exactly you know? so now Sarah, how can someone actually monetize their YouTube? How do you, did you do that? How did you start doing it? Sure. So to monetize your YouTube, now YouTube requires you to have 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 hours watched in a year. So that seems very overwhelming, right? 4,000 hours watched in a year. But it is not overwhelming if you create binge-worthy content, which means uh, binge-worthy translates to content that's about the same topic, pretty much. So what, whatever the content's about, if it's like about the best phones, you know, I don't know, I'm just looking at my phone now, like five simple tricks to using your Samsung more efficiently, or these are five apps you need to download on your phone or what I really think about this Samsung galaxy, you know? And so you have all these topics that are similar. Yeah. The other point I want to highlight here is when it works better with the YouTube algorithm. And I hate that word algorithm. <laughs> we hear it all the time with Instagram, but it really does. Cause if I have a video like best things to do in New York, and if someone's watching it on the sidebar, since they're watching my video on New York, they're going to see other videos I made about New York. And they'll just say, oh, I liked her video about this. I'll just watch this one. And that's how they start binge watching it because YouTube recommends content that is similar. Yeah. Yeah. So um, about the monetized thing. So the 400 hours watched and the 1,000 subscribers, you, YouTube won't monetize your channel with ads until you reach that milestone. And that milestone is one of 
the hardest to hit. I'm gonna be honest with you because you're new, no one knows you, so you really have to prove yourself to get to that. Whereas, like the larger you grow, the more people see you and know you and trust you. And if you have fifty thousand subscribers, of uh, someone that's new will be like, "Oh, well, fifty thousand people already subscribed, so I'll hit subscribe." Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have a hundred subscribers, it's a lot harder to get that that next subscriber. With that said, if you create good content, it's very easy. Yeah. yeah. You know, it always goes back to that. It's just creating the content. And you also gave us so many awesome tips that will be really useful for somebody who is doing this or is currently doing this. And it's just really frustrating. Yeah. So, Sarah, if our listeners want to know more Wait, about hang on, yes, yes, go ahead. I have one more important monetization. Yes. Tip. Oh, yes. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. I, just, I need to share this one because it's the main one. Okay. Uh, and then we're going to go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just want to make sure that they get this information because this is the most important one. Okay. Ad revenue on YouTube is not as good as you think. Okay. So you need to have brand brand deals. Ad revenue, I'll be I'll be honest with you. I make I get almost I get between a half a million and a million monthly views on YouTube, and I only make fifteen hundred dollars in ad revenue on YouTube a month. Wow. Okay. So you cannot survive just off of YouTube ad revenue. You have to have brand deals and brand deals come with quality content and consistency and pitching the right people. Mm. And the great thing about YouTube is that you can charge a lot more than Instagram. Mm. So that was, that's the final tip. So the brand deals is really where you make the money, not through YouTube ad revenue. Yeah. Now, talking about pitching to brands, how do you do that, Sarah? How do you find the brands that you're going to pitch and how do you approach them? I, uh, well, now I have a lot of different brands that I've worked with in the past on Instagram, but essentially whenever I I use different influencer platforms. So there's so many of them. There's like Activate, Isaiah, Cooperatize, Blogmeek's brand, obviously. There's so many. And these are agencies that brands will put what they're looking for, like looking for influencers between the ages of 25 and 35 for a campaign about uh, Rent the Runway or something. And so you apply to that and you give them, you say, hi, I'm Sarah. This is what I do. This is why I think this would be a good fit for my audience. And then normally on those platforms, they have a rate that they already set. So you already know if you're interested based on the pay. And so I, that's how I first started getting them is through those platforms. And then once I got them, I would, and and I would do a successful campaign with them because they liked my pitch. I would repitch them for different opportunities. And so that's what I do now is when I have a brand that I really like, I'll just say, Hey guys, I also want to do this. Do you want to sponsor that? So Sarah, when you do that pitching, do you pitch to the ad agencies or do you pitch to the actual company? It really depends. It depends on how the platform works. Sometimes the platform puts you in direct contact with content with the brand. And sometimes they keep kind of a wall between it. So you pitch the platform and then they'll let the brand know. And they're they're kind of the liaison between it. Mm -hmm. 
So it depends on the scenario, but as long as the message is getting communicated effectively to the brand, that's the most important part. And making sure that the pitch is relevant. It's, it's super obvious when you just do like a blanket pitch to a bunch of brands mm-hmm. and cold pitching is People say email as many things as you can. Like, yes, that's that that does. That's like how you start. But that's not how you have long term success Mm -hmm. because cold pitching, you get like maybe one out of every 100 you'll get. And it's so much work. So it's better to have long term partnerships. And so that's what I've been focusing on is long term partnerships. Such great tips, Sarah. I am so happy that we were able to do this extended interview. So now if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? You can find me on sarahfunky.com or on YouTube at Sarah Funk. And uh, of course, Instagram, Sarah Funky. (laughs) But if you like video, definitely just check out YouTube because that's That's my favorite one. So I hope you like that one the best too. (laughs) (laughs) We will definitely put your, all of your links up. Thank you so much, Tara. I really appreciate all the tips that you gave us. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this extended interview with Sarah. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the full interview with Sarah where she shares how she's able to leave a dream job to live her dream life as a travel YouTuber. Thanks for joining me on this extended interview. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We can also chat some more on Facebook at The OB Live. I'll talk to you soon.